and and um, I managed to put together 24 years in that program without doing a relapse um, of any of any kind in terms of the substances. Um, and when I came here, it was you know you can't you know one has to eat, one has to have nutrition, and so. Um, I, I learned when I first got here that everyone could make up their own food plan, so I did. Um, <laughs> and it was a good food plan. Mm -hmm. And people said the road will get narrower the longer you're here. And I thought, okay, so hopefully I'll get narrower as well. <laughs> um, and then I started coming to this meeting on Sunday and the meeting out on Terrebelle Street um, on Wednesday nights, I think it is. Um, and everybody in those two meetings had lost 100 pounds. Mm. Um, uh, and some of you are here. You look great. Thank you for your uh, encouragement. Um, but during the first year that I was in the program, I lost about 30 pounds. Um, and partially because my food plan um, included lots of carbohydrates, um, which were necessary to me. Um, didn't include any sweets, any sugars. I was, I was able to do that. Um, but it, it was a food plan that, that was um, way more flexible than a food plan should be. And and I'm, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm a great um, food fiction writer. And so I would be writing my steps for my sponsor, um, my, my food plan and my action plan for my sponsor. And I would say three square meals a day. Um, but I was busy because I'm such a busy person doing so many important things that I couldn't sit down and eat three meals. So I ate all day long. Um, but tried to think of it in terms of, um, of uh, the amount of food that would be in three square meals if I had the commitment or the time and energy to sit down for three square meals. Um, and then I listened to people talk about the gray sheet, some people, um, and that sounded scary to me. Uh, and, and so I got a little better about doing a plan of, of a food plan and a plan of action because I didn't want to end up in gray sheet hell. And that was then. It's another thing that I've learned since then to be quiet, to I actually know what I'm talking about a little bit. Um, and then everybody was talking about um, weighing and measuring and taking little plastic Tupperware things of food into restaurants and uh, <laughs> to other people's homes when you go to dinner. And, and so I was more and more horrified as, as <laughs> when they said the road got narrower, I thought, oh, this is, that's just way too narrow. Um, and so I continued to struggle and suffer. I continued to suffer a lot because of my idea about what, what um, this program was and how it was not accessible to me because I was so special. <clears throat> um, and so in the second year that I was hanging around wasting all of your time, um, <laughs> I managed to do my food plan and my action plan and gain 30 pounds, the same 30 I had lost the year before. Um, and, and in the next few months after that, gained more. So, so I was one of the people, and I'm not the only one, who joined uh, OA and gained weight while coming to the meetings. Um, and what I learned um, in, that, in that second and a half year um, from all of you was that the most important thing I was doing was that I never stopped coming to meetings. Um, I wasn't being, well, I, th I think I was being as honest as I could be at that time with myself and with you. But it wasn't, um, you know, it was food fiction is what it was. And, and I heard a lot of things in these rooms that were really wonderful, which is um, when it gets to the door of the room, to get rid of um, what, we, what I call my social identity. Um, so there's who I am um, and who I would like to be, who I'm afraid I am. 
But the more important thing, that's just ego, clear, you know, clearly, the more important thing is the social identity, is who I want to be and who I want you to think I am. Um, and the foundation of that, for those of us who um, have compulsions and addictions, the foundation of that is who I'm afraid, you, you know, what my fear is about what you think I am or who you think I am, and all of that social identity. And the fact of the matter is that what I've learned in the last two years is, again, um, is just to show up and to be honest and be who I am. Um, and the result of that um, is that I was recently invited to speak at the Century meeting um, because I have, in fact, lost 104 pounds since I joined OA. Um, and uh, there's nothing special about me um, except that I learned slowly. Um, you know, it's a sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly program. And I'm one of the sometimes slowly. Um, and what I learned is that it's, it's um, absolutely essential to be honest about um, about food plans and action plans and working with a sponsor. And so being absolutely honest includes um, not being perfect. And so I spent a lot of time in my whole life, as I'm sure some of you have, um, trying to be perfect at whatever it was I did. So when I got here, I was trying to be the perfect OA. Um, and so because I wasn't actually able to behaviorally do that, um, I did it through story. You know, like, oh yes, I have a food plan. Oh yeah, I have an action plan. Um, the action plan was usually to get away from the meeting as quickly as possible to go to lunch. <laughs> to go to lunch. Yeah. So, um, so, so, so what I've discovered in the last couple of years um, in the program is that if I listen to all of you, um, I find out some really important things. Like, um, I thought I had a fear of failure in this program, and so I wasn't gonna, you know, really work as hard as I should work. Um, turns out, what I had um, is a fear of success. Um, a fear of success that if I actually looked at the gray sheet, if I actually started to weigh and measure, if I actually um, was honest in meetings about what I ate, whatever that happened to be, um, that the result of that um, is that, that I could be successful um, and that it didn't have to be, it, I wouldn't have to be afraid of that. I would get enough to eat. Um, I learned from people in this room that I haven't learned about kale yet. I tried, but I can't. Those of you who eat kale, bless you. Uh, but I've learned how to eat food that before I would not have even thought about eating um, by using spices and making things taste good. And um, not over, you know, uh, any of you are Irish, you know, we overcook everything till it's mushy and gray. Um, and so if you don't do that to vegetables, they actually are edible. Uh, not as edible as a big steak, but, you know, but, but much healthier and much better for it. Um, and so then I was, um, you know, going through this last year, and I thought, okay, you know, a year and a half, almost two years now, um, I got this, and it's working, and I, I'm a regular attender at some meetings, and, and I'm listening to people, and I'm willing to say, you know what, um, this is a program where I can have um, overeaters, um, abstinence, um, and still be um, emotionally uh, not clean, sober, or abstinent. Mm -hmm. Um, and be just as crazy as I want to be. And so uh, I retired um, during that period of time and suddenly had a lot of free time. And so I started walking in the ocean um, and going for long walks. I live in West Portal, so it's close to get to the ocean. Um, I, I should point out I lived there for 12 years, partially moved there because the ocean was nearby and I could go exercise. Um, and I walked to the ocean once down Slow Street. It took 50 minutes, 5-0. Um, and that's the only time I ever went um, <laughs> until this past past um, year season. 
when I discovered there's a bus that goes right directly from the corner of my house <laughs> to, I got on the bus one day because it was going, and I thought, let me see where this goes. Um, and I got on the bus at five after four and was at Ocean Beach at 15 minutes after four. So for 12 years, I could have been there. <laughs> so anyway, I'm doing that. Um, and that became part of my action plan. And then I suddenly realized that in Ireland we have that there are people that are called walkers, <laughs> don't have anything to do, and that people, nobody will let them in their house because they're such a mess. Um, and, they just, and they just walk constantly. And I was going down the beach um, for like the fifth day in a row at one point, and I thought, your life is a huge success. You've become a walker. Um, and and so. You know, I get this chance being in retirement to think about what that means and how I can, instead of going to a job every day, how I can be of service in, in the recovery programs, including this one. Um, you know, I get to think about, um, I went in to um, have a minor procedure done at Kaiser um, halfway through this past year. And they were supposed to poke a little hole in here and go in and look around, do some scratching. It was supposed to be 15 minutes and I would be out that afternoon or the next morning. Well, when the doctor stuck, when the doctor stuck the um, uh, probe in, he poked it through my heart. Um, and so it ended up being a seven and a half hour open heart surgery. Um, and, and uh, uh, you know, eight days in the, four days in intensive care and four more days in the hospital. So it was life altering um, in terms of my sense of safety, in terms of my sense of well-being, um, all of that stuff. And the, and the good news was that I spoke to my sponsor and as quickly as possible, I got back to meetings. It did not cross my mind um, that that I should eat about it, that, that I should find comfort or reward. Partially, if you ever have to go to the hospital and you're worried about your eating plan, go to Kaiser um, in, in, in uh, Kaiser Hospital in San Francisco because you will not be tempted at all to eat. <laughs> you won't be tempted to eat what they serve. Um, yeah, it was as much of it. Um, like my mother's cooking when I was a child, bless her, um, was, was a lot of soft gray stuff that was really unidentifiable. Um, to the point that one day I asked the woman who was serving the food, what is that? And she said, I'm not sure, but it's warm. <laughs> and of course the irony for me as a compulsive reader is that there was a time a couple of years ago, okay, that's good enough. Just put some <laughs> warm and put some salt on it or some ketchup, it'll be, it'll be edible. <laughs> So a lot of things have happened in the last couple of years, and the good news is that that I've learned that I don't have to um, respond to everything that bothers me. You know, I've learned that really slowly. I don't have to have an immediate emotional reaction um, because if I have an emotional reaction, then I think I deserve to be soothed, um, and if I have an emotional reaction and it goes well, then I think I deserve a reward. Um, and for me, um, those rewards um, for you know 67 years, 65, six years, um, were food-based. You know, it was something to drink, and then when that I didn't do that anymore, then it was always something to eat. Um, and so now I've discovered that I don't have to have a response to everything that um, my sp my sponsor says. Um, it's mind over matter. If I don't mind, it won't matter. Um, and and that works really well for me. Is that. Um, a teacher that I'm really fond of in my spiritual tradition is Pema Chodron, who says that you can always be hooked and you have a choice to unhook. Um, and so I do that meditation, um, uh, breathing in when something comes up that I'm upset about, breathing in, I say welcome, whatever it is, mm -hmm. just acceptance because it's going to happen anyway. And breathing out, I say thank you. And that leaves me in times of trouble um, right in between acceptance and gratitude, which is where the work for me in this program um, has actually happened. 
So, so staying in that place um, um, seems to me to be really helpful. Great, thanks. So um, I think the most important lessons that I've that that I'm learning um, being here is that it's it's great for everyone to just show up. If you can't do anything else, please just keep showing up. Um, that's what I do, even on days when I don't want to go. Um, and in fact, when I'm in fit spiritual condition, um, it's particularly on days when I don't want to go to a meeting. That's the day I know I have to go. Um, uh, there's the old saying in the other program, and it may be here too, that if I miss a meeting one day, I know it. If I miss a meeting two days, you know it. If I miss a meeting three days, everybody knows it. Um, because the craziness just gets wilder and wilder, and, and the justifications and uh, you know, oh woe is me kind of thing. Um, so this actually has turned in for me to be a really simple program. Um, you know, I have in my kitchen a scale. Um, I have in my kitchen all sorts of <laughs> my new my new um, compulsion this year became Tupperware things with lids on them so that I can carry food around where I go, which I did not understand why you all did that or how you did it. Um, and there's actually a restaurant in West Portal where I live where when I come in, the guy says, do you have your, do you have your plastic thing with you? And I say yes. And he puts half of the food in there before he gives it to me. Um, and so it's, you know, it's nice to have regular restaurants that you go to. Um, and then after he did that a couple of times, you know, with, with some basic chicken or some salad or whatever, I thought, well, as long as he's doing that anyway, I could clearly have lasagna. Because <laughs> if I'm only eating half of it, that should be helpful. Um, and uh, if, you, if you want to um, have wellness and a body that's, that's healthier, um, you don't eat lasagna for lunch. Um, that's, I don't eat lasagna for lunch. Maybe others can, and that's good if you can. Um, but the learning is just to listen to the wisdom in these rooms. And the wisdom comes um, from people who just got here. Um, the wisdom comes from people who have been here and fallen down. Um, in my spiritual tradition, one of the axioms in Buddhism is fall down seven times, get up eight. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's so much wisdom in the rooms um, of people who have tried um, and couldn't stay um, abstinent on their food, and people who have tried and have worked the steps and gotten a sponsor and come to meetings and shared and listened, um, but couldn't stay emotionally um, sober. Um, and <clears throat> I'm uh, asked to speak first, and Marcy was kind enough to allow me because my mother, who's 95 years old, was just moved into hospice. Mm -hmm. And so when I leave here today, I'm flying to Michigan, um, if the weather allows on both ends, um, to say goodbye to her. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, that, there was a time when I would already be planning which snacks at which airport that I was going to have because I needed to be soothed. Um, and now, what I did instead was stay in close touch with her and her caregivers this week um, and know that she's really anxious to see her oldest son um, and that I'm going to be able to do that for her. Um, and then I have lots of siblings. We were originally 13 children and there's nine left. Um, and all of the other eight are behaving badly. <laughs> They're all very emotional and, and not being helpful to themselves or each other. Um, and that reminded me of the story when my father, who died of Alzheimer's disease, they were all there taking care of him as well. And I was 3,000 miles away here showing up occasionally. And so I went in to talk to him when I got for a visit. And he talked to me for 20 minutes. And it was great. And I said, see. They just don't know how to talk to somebody with Alzheimer's. And I'm special and I'm doing this. And as I stood up to leave the room, 
filled with smugness, I was about to go out and explain to everybody how it worked. He took my hand and shook my hand and he said, you know, I have a son named Stephen who lives in San Francisco. You probably like him. <laughs> so my higher power right-sized me immediately. Um, and I'm sure my higher power will do the same thing on this trip, um, that the people who are there every day um, doing the work to take care of mom every day, um, uh, they can act however they want to. You know, they're, they're doing it every day. I show up, you know, once a year, once every five years or something. Um, and there's something that I can contribute to them and to her, um, and something I can contribute to me, um, but it doesn't have anything to do with my showing up being the guy in charge or the person that knows the most. Um, and I learned that in here as well, that when I tried to stop eating and couldn't, when I tried to eat three meals a day and I needed five, when I, you know, when I said that I was abstinent and got emotionally crazy and then fed that, um, um, or got emotionally crazy and starved it, and then, you know, got, Everybody knows all those things. Um, but that when I finally figured out from listening to you, carefully listening to you, and actually um, having a spiritual experience with what you said to me, um, I finally figured out um, that, that I could be emotionally sober as well. So I think in the 24 years between getting sober in the other two programs and um, getting abstinent here, um, uh, 20, 22 years between those two events, um, that what I learned was that I probably was um, uh, white knuckling, so to speak, in, in the other programs, although they, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did, whatever it was. Um, but coming here and learning, to be honest, on a whole new level about traumas when I was a kid and how I respond to trauma um, with a reward system that needs to be rewarded and that carbohydrates and sugar and were, the, were the way I did that. And now instead I can come to a meeting and be honest about um, I have a lot of anxiety about getting on the airplane and flying into Michigan, just no matter what I was going for in December. You don't want to go through Chicago to Michigan. Um, mm -hmm. And so I have some anxiety about all that flying. And then I have some real anxiety about being able to show up as the good son. And the wonderful part about being in recovery is that that's anxiety that I don't have to have because I know I'm a good son. I know I'm a good son now that I'm honest and, and that I want to go there and be of service to other people. And I'm not going to be thinking about, oh, woe is me. I have to do this, um, this end of life thing. Um, and so I get to show up and I get to have confidence that as a person in recovery and as a person who's abstinent, as a person who's sober, um, I get to show up and just be present for other people. Um, and it's not my experience for the next two days. Um, it's their experience. And I'm going in to, to be with them and to be present for them. And then I'll come back here and get up at 7 o'clock on Wednesday morning and run to an OA meeting um, because that will be my experience. And I will, for those of you who come to St. Aidan's on Wednesday morning, I will be doing much woeing and lamenting because I can, because that's what the meetings are for. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that you will all love me and tell me that, that you, you won't say it out loud, but you'll smile at me, and I'll know you're saying you're messy, but you're still here and you'll be fine. <laughs> and so... Um, that's, I think, the most important thing. If When I relapsed and when people relapse, as, as the reading says, um, we have to be there to say, I love you. And I wasn't ready to hear any of you that I didn't know um, say, I love you, um, when I got here. What I was ready to hear was for you to say, you're messy, but you're here, and it'll be OK. Um, messy, and if you're at the meeting, it will be OK. Yeah. Um, and so you said that to me. Um, and I am messy and I am here, so I believe that I'll be okay. Thank you. Woo!